Hi, I'm Pastor Robbie Barrett, and I want to take this time to thank you for taking time out of your busy day to listen to a life-changing word from God. And I pray that as you listen to these podcasts, that it will shape your way of thinking and that you will be walking in the fullness of what God has for you. We want to go further. We never want to say, that's good enough. Amen. We never want to say that. So this is several week teaching. Today I'm going to teach on the temple of God and how you and I are the temple and how every part of the temple was a reflection of how we become the temple of God. Now, I hope everybody in here this morning is aware that you and I, we are now the temple of God. Somebody say amen. We are the temple of God. This building is just a building. And this new church that's coming forth It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be grand. But guess what? It's still just a building. We are the temple. And it's it's us that God desires to feel and for His presence to dwell in our life. So what we want to do is we want to make sure that we have a life that God wants to dwell in. Amen. We want to make sure that. So today, as we go in this teaching, I hope you'll take notes Uh, whether it be on your phone, your paper, whatever, your neighbor's forehead, you hear me say that all the time, I want you to get this, amen, because this is not not something just to preach and shout about and say amen and then walk back out and say, what'd you get? I don't know, but it was good. I want you to take this and apply this to your life because I believe just, and and I speak right now for this church, I believe it's time we go deeper in our worship, amen. It's time we go deeper, it's time we go further, because when we get to that place where we say it's enough, we're in trouble. John 4, and I've got a lot of scripture now, John 4, 24, I want to read these three right quick. It says, God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in what? Spirit and in truth. Exodus 25. It says, and let them make me a what? Sanctuary that I may dwell among them. So everything in this teaching today in several weeks here, it is going to be personal. It's not going to be something that is a far off. No, God wants to be personal in your life. Acts 7.44. It says, our fathers had the tabernacle of the witness in the wilderness. As he had appointed, speaking unto Moses, that he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen. So in other words, when Moses made this tabernacle, it was fashioned as the heavenly tabernacle. Now, I don't know if any of you are aware of this or not, but there is a everything that was done on the earthly standpoint was always a reflection or a shadow of what is in heaven. So you mean that there's a temple in heaven? Yes. Will we be worshiping in heaven? Yes. Will we be praising in heaven? You better believe it. So if you don't like it here, you're not going to like it there. Amen. Let's pray. I'm going to pray before I open this up. Father, we thank you, Lord, right now. Father, I thank you for your presence that's already in this place. And Father, I pray right now, Lord that as we go forth into this message, Lord, that our hearts will be open, our mind will be open, and Father, that every person in here will receive everything that you want us to receive. Take us deeper in your presence. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. 
Now, pull up the first scripture or the first picture there, Dave. It should be the out. There we are. Okay, now I want everybody to see this. Even if you can't read the words, that's not important. I just want you to see this. This was the setup of the temple. Now, as I go in this message, you're going to hear me touch on some of the tabernacle, some of Solomon's temple, and some of Herod's temple. Amen? So, I want you to see this. So, watch this. So, you have the inner court, the outer court, and you have the inside the temple, you have what? The holy place, and then you have the what? Holiest of holies, the most holy place where the presence of God resides. Now, I want you to see this right here. I'm going to break down every part of this so that you can see how you and I, how it pertains to us and it pertains to how we worship or how we see God. Now, let's stop. Let's take first the outer court. Who was in the outer court? The outer court was for the Gentiles and mostly for women too. Women could not go past the outer court part because in those days, that's just how it was. Also, Gentiles, they were invited to come and worship if they wanted to, but they could not go into the inner court. Why? Because that was established for the Jews, that was set off for the Jewish people, and, and you couldn't go there. Unless you were chosen by God, unless you were set apart, you could not go in that place. So if you were a Gentile, you could only go to the outer rim of this box here. You see that? That's as close as you could get to the presence of God. You could kind of hear what was going on. You could kind of halfway tell what was going on. But that was all you could do. Now, there are some people in here, and I want to ask you this question as we go into this message. Are you an outer court worshiper? Are a praiser or are you an inner court? That's what I want to ask you today. Because you see, there's two different types. See, there's the outer court. Are you a spectator? Oh, you know, I just love to see God do things. I just love to see God use people. I love to see people praise God and all this stuff while you're sitting back there observing. That's an outer court worshiper that, that can only see what's going on. They can't touch it. They can't experience it. But they're looking on and they're witnessing what's going on. But that's as far as they go. I find out that a lot of people in church, they want to be outer court worshipers. They just want to, hey, I don't want to get into that. I don't want to get into the presence of God and, and all this other stuff, the glory and all that. I just want to see what's going on, and I just want to make sure I, get, I make it to heaven. That's all I'm in here for. Outer court worshipers. Now watch this. Then there's the inner court. Who was there for the inner court? Only Jews could gather here and watch the priests perform sacrifices. Now this is also what you call... This part right here, let me go up here. This inner box right here where it says the altar, that's what was uh, also called the priest court. This is where all the sacrifices and the different rituals were going on. Now how many knows, now watch this. When it came to the sacrifices, the priest had to offer up burnt offerings and sacrifices unto God. And the Bible says that this fire was not supposed to go out. So they were to offer up sacrifices 
continually. There's a song by, the, uh, by Eddie James that says, uh, Don't let the fire of my altar burn out. Make me a house of prayer. See, that's how, what, that's how God wants you and I. But watch this right here. The people that hung out in the inner court and around that place, what they would do is they would watch the priest offering up sacrifices, washing themselves, doing all these different rituals that God had told them to do as acts of praise and worship and sacrifice unto God. They would watch this as spectators. But they were not actually in that place offering up sacrifices, seeing the cost of what it was to, to be clean and to be holy and righteous of God. So this is what I like to label as in the church. Watch this. I like to label these people as people who like the prestige. But that's as far as they go. See, the, the Jews loved the fact that they could go past the Gentiles. They loved the fact that they were called to a deeper place and they kind of did it in a prideful meaning. You see what I'm saying? You got a lot of people in church, watch this. They think because they, they give the most money, they've got the most right. Now, now don't, don't get too quiet on me. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of people that does things in the church, they do it just to be seen. They do it just uh, so that can, they can have the prestige. And say, so, oh, I've got God and you don't. Oh, I've got a closer walk with God and you don't. But you see that they still have not reached the presence of God. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, that's not good enough. So can I tell you in here today that I don't want to be, watch this, I don't want to be an outer court worshiper. I don't want to be an inner court worshiper. Now, you go right here to the priest court, and you see right here that, I want you to see this. Now, go to the altar, if you would, Dave. Now, in the priest court, you have the altar and the molten sea, or the sea of bronze, or, 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 or the sea of, uh, I forgot what it was called, it was the brazen sea or something like that. Anyways, listen, you have the altar where they had to offer up sacrifices Daily, continually, which did what? It showed you, now before the priest could enter into the sanctuary of God, before they could enter into the holy place, they had to perform a sacrifice not only for the people, but for themselves. They had to perform a sacrifice of blood. There was a, there was a cost. Somebody say there was a cost. There is a see. We got to understand something that you don't see. Most people don't understand what a privilege it is to worship, what a privilege it is to praise God. Because you see, in the Old Testament, you would see that God made it clear that there is a cost to approaching me. You don't just approach me any old way. No, you got to understand that it took something. It took a sacrifice. It took blood. It took, it took something of uh, dying off to get you to that place where you could worship and where you could seek the face of God. Now, I see a lot of times in churches, people come in with this attitude of, I don't feel like worship. I don't feel like praising. But you need to put yourself in the shoes of those people back in that day. They would have give, given anything to go into the holy place. 
Only priests could go into the holy place. They would have gave everything. They longed for that. you got to see something. They longed to be able to go into the presence of God. And now watch this. And now watch because we have the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice of what Jesus did. The Bible says there's no need for another sacrifice. There's no need for any other uh, other rituals or anything like that because He fulfilled all of it. He was slain once and never again. And now, see, we got to understand is that because of the sacrifice on the altar that Jesus did for us, He made us clean or enabled us to go into the holy place or the presence of God. Can we just take a moment and give God some praise for what He did for us? The brazen altar was a part of offering up praise, obedience unto God. Why? Because God says, you cannot approach me until you bring this sacrifice, this offering, this right here. Until you bring that, you cannot approach me. So it taught them something. And it's something that you and I need to learn. It taught them that you don't approach God without understanding what it costs. Without understanding that it costs you something. You, what's it cost us today? I told you there's, there's, there's no need for more animal sacrifices now. Peace offerings and all that. And there's no need for that. What do we have now? Go to Hebrews thirteen fifteen. It says, By Him therefore let us offer up the what? Sacrifice of praise to God what? Continually. There it is again. Just as they had to offer up the sacrifices continually. They couldn't let it burn out. You and I are called today, since we are the temple of God, we are called to offer up praise continually unto God. And that doesn't mean... Now, when people hear that, they think that automatically means whether you're at work or school or whatever, you're just going around, thank you, Jesus, praise the Lord, oh, thank you. No, no, no. No, sometimes you can praise God by being faithful. Sometimes you can praise God by being obedient. That means doing things you don't want to do. That means being at places you don't want to be. But you're saying, I'm trusting God, I'm obeying God, I do it because I love... That's an act of praise. And that's a sacrifice, amen? Because it costs you something. Can I tell you something in here? today. You'll never get into a place of worship until you realize it costs you something. See, we've got this attitude today that we just live however we want to live and just roll up into church on Sunday and we're going to go up into the presence of God. It don't work that way. It costs something. It costs what? It costs you dying to yourself. It costs you saying no unto you and yes unto God. Not my will, but your will be done. That's what it costs us. And if you ever notice something, watch this right here. And I'm going to help you out today. You'll notice this. That if you are at a place in your life where you're not doing everything you're supposed to do, and you may be messing up and tripping up and all this, you'll find that it's harder to get into the presence of God than normal. Have you ever found that out? How many knows what I'm talking about? Absolutely. It's hard. Why? Why is it hard? Because you've got that guilt weighing on you. You've got that shame weighing on you. See, at the altar, 
that was laid aside for that. You see, to, to sacrifice on the altar was to sacrifice that guilt and that shame. Because you see, the reason why that they could not go into the presence of God was because they knew they were guilty. They knew they had shame. They knew that they weren't righteous and they weren't holy. So what did they do? To appease their mind, or in other words, to help their conscience, they, God gave them a, 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 a principle of offering up sacrifices and rituals unto Him so that they could clear their mind and their conscience that now I could go into the presence of God. You see, ladies and gentlemen, that's why the enemy wants to try to trip you up. He wants to get... See, I've, I've told people this before and I'll say it again. It's not the sin that gets you. It's the guilt that comes after. That's what gets you. That's what trips you up. Because you see, what's it do? It drives you not to want to go into the presence of God. It drives you not to want to pray, not to want to seek God's face. Why? Not because you don't want God, because you don't feel worthy. You don't feel righteous. You don't feel uh, clean. So he, he, he set these things up. Now go to the, uh, the uh, not the brazen altar, but go to the sea. In Moses' tabernacle, they had the laver, which was a smaller box of water. Here, Solomon made this huge bowl of water here that was used. Now, another thing the priest had to do. Before they ever entered into the holy place, they had to offer up the sacrifice on the brazen altar. But then, watch this, then they had to clean their feet and their hands. They had to wash themselves so that they would be ceremonially clean before they could ever enter into the presence of God. So you see right here that their sacrifice... There's something that costs something. And then, here's another thing. When we wash ourselves, how many knows when you got saved, what did you do? You got baptized. As what? Is a signification that the old part of you is dead. Now the new part of you lives on and you're clean from that. You've washed yourself clean. The Bible talks about the washing of the word. Now we see right here, watch this. Psalms 104. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. This is what you and I are to do. Today, we don't have to burn up an animal. We don't have to get in a pool and wash our feet and hands. No. But God says, when you pass through my courts, when you, when you, when you start your prayers out, when you, when you go and spend time with me, the first thing you need to start off with is thankfulness. Brother Robbie, what's the secret of getting in the presence of God? What's the secret of getting into that place of worship where God becomes real? Thankfulness. So many people, watch this. I'm going to help you out. So many people just rush into their prayer. And I understand we're busy. We've got a lot of things going on. We know that. But we, we, if we're not careful, we get into the habit where we just rush in and say, God, I need this, 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 and this right here. I thank you. I'll see you later. And then we wonder why we never get into the holy place. 
we wonder why the presence of God is not strong in our lives. See, the first thing we need to do before we say any prayer, we need to open up with thanksgiving. We need to open up with praise. Because that's what he said to do. He said, enter into my gates. And every time you pass from one court to the other, you know what you pass through? A gate. Even to get to the temple court, you had to go through the gates. So he said, enter into my gates with thanksgiving. Being thankful. I told you earlier, I said, you'll be surprised what would happen in your life if you just started being thankful. That's something all of us can work on. Because we do a great job of complaining. Come on. We do. We do a great job of complaining. We, got, we do a great job of seeing what we don't have instead of what we do have. So, and then we wonder why the presence of God is not evident in our life. We wonder why it's not thick and we're, we don't have the Shekinah glory. Because we're not entering in the way He said to. Just as they had a specific way they had to enter into the presence of God, we today have a specific way. God says, offer up a sacrifice of praise. God says, enter into my courts with thanksgiving and with praise and thankfulness. I want you to do that. Get stuff out of your life that doesn't belong. Not because of God, but because it holds you back. It holds you back. It hinders you back. You know how easier it is when you're not sinning all the time and, and, and messing up and failing? You know how easy it is to get into the presence of God? It's a whole lot easier. It really is. It's a whole lot easier. When you've got your conscience clear, right? Hey, that I'm aware of, I've not done anything bad today. I've not done anything wrong today. And man, it's so easy to begin to get into that place with God. But if you come there and you know you've already messed up earlier, you've done something you shouldn't have done, what's, that, what's weighing on you? That guilt and shame. So you can see how now everything that's going on in the temple or in the tabernacle is reflecting on how you and I are to be the temple of God today. Now, as I said, the laver or the, the sea right here was a tub of water that the priests had to wash their hands and feet before they could go any further. On the Day of Atonement, how many remembers me talking about that? The Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. On the Day of Atonement, the, pre, the high priest once a year went into the holiest of holies. Other than that, you didn't go in that place. If you did, you dropped dead. That's how serious this was. And then so many times we come into church and we don't take God serious. Am I saying that if you don't praise God, hey, he's going to strike you? No. I'm saying you got to have that, you got to have that respect for God. That honor. Where, you know, I often I sit back in the body of Christ and I think, where is the honor and the respect for God that used to be in the house? Come on. Where, where's the people that, I mean, they used to respect and fear God. Not a fear of, oh, I'm, no, a, a fear of respect and honor. So the high priest on the day of atonement, not only would he wash his hands and his feet, he had to wash his entire body. Amen. The Bible talks about presenting your body as a what? Living sacrifice. Not just your hands or feet, but your whole body. And on the Day of Atonement, the high priest could go in once a year on the Day of Atonement and go into the holiest 
of holies to offer up to God. Now, Ephesians 5.26 That he might sanctify and cleanse us with what? The washing of the water, what? By the word. So here we go. We see another reflection. Just as they had to wash in the water before they could enter into the presence of God, we see now Paul talks about how we might sanctify ourselves. How many wants to be sanctified? How many wants to be clean? How do we do that? By the Word of God. Listen to me. Here's here's what people do. It's not enough to come up here and just say, I want to change. I want to be different. You've got to make the steps to do that. Amen. You have to put action to that. Everybody wants to change. Everybody wants to be better. But not everybody is putting forth the effort. Amen. So we talk about here. He said, listen, you want to sanctify yourselves? You want to clean yourselves? Get the Word of God in you. The Word of God is what changes your thought life. The Word of God is what changes how you do things and how you act and your character and all those things. How many read the Word of God sometimes and say, I don't want to read this? Come on. I don't want to read, bless those that curse me. I don't want to read, uh, if somebody slaps you, give them the other cheek. I don't want to read that. You see? But you see, all of this, the Word of God... See, we get in trouble when we try to make the Word of God fit our lives instead of making our lives fit the Word of God. That's when we get in trouble. So when we do that, when we begin to take the Word of God and make it to fit our lives, we're stepping into that ladder. We're stepping into that sea. And we're we're cleansing ourselves. We're sanctifying ourselves. See, watch this. Those of you that like to pray all the time but don't have the Word, you're in trouble. I'm going to say something to you. Listen to this. You need the Word and you need prayer. Say it with me. I need the Word and I need prayer. On the tabernacle, I wish I had a picture of this, but on the tabernacle of Moses... There were pillars on the outside border, right? And they were held, watch this, so this, it was a pillar like this, right? And there was a rope on the outside, there was a rope on the inside that held the pillar from going left to right. And they, that was, I was studying on something, they said the Jewish people said that them ropes, one was called the Spirit and the other one was called the Word. Anybody catch that? You need the Spirit... And you need the Word to hold you up. The Bible says we're pillars in the kingdom of God. We need the Spirit. Listen, you have a church that has all Word and no Spirit, you got a dead church. you got a church that's got all Spirit, you're just hooping around, screaming the whole time, nothing's happening. You've got the Spirit and no Word. And you've got chaos. You need the Spirit and you need the Word. Amen. So we see this now. That just as they had to wash and clean before they could get closer to God, so we must be washed clean. To pray, fellowship, and presence, with mu- uh, we must be clean of carnality. So in other words, watch this. To pray to God, I told you earlier, it's a whole lot easier to pray when your life is clean. It's a whole lot easier. You know that. You don't got that weight on you. Man, I did this, I did that earlier. 
But when you come in the presence of God and you've had a good day and all that stuff, man, it's so easy to get in the presence of God. All right? And watch this. When you read the Word of God and consume the Word, it amplifies your prayer life. That's why I tell you praying is not enough. I guarantee you if I asked if everybody prayed in here every day this week, everybody would raise your hand. But if I was to say, did everybody get in the Word this week every day? You need both. If you want to get in that place that I've, that I've taught you about, about the presence of God, you need both. You need the Word and you need prayer because they both amplify each other. Your prayer life amplifies your study time. Your study time amplifies your prayer life. One and the same. So watch this right here. Now we're going to go on the inside. Go back to that first picture, Dave. So you see right here, you had the sanctuary part. All right? Then you had a smaller room that was what? The most holy place. Now watch this right here. Now let's break it down. The holy place. What was in the holy place? You have the menorah. Go ahead. It like looks like a candle, Dave. The menorah. You have the showbread table. The table of showbread. And then you have the altar of incense. These three furnitures were in the holy place. The first room that you walk into. So now we've got our life clean. We've cleansed ourselves. We've offered up praise and thanksgiving and, and, and thankfulness unto God. Now we've entered into His presence. What is in His presence? You've got the menorah. You've got the showbread table. And you've got the, offer, or the altar of incense. What does all these mean? Now, watch this right here. The menorah. Let's take the first one. Show the menorah, Dave. Now watch this. The menorah was to be lit and trimmed to stay lit day and night. So the priests would come in in different times, whether morning or evening, they would trim the lamp to keep it burning night and day. It was the only light in the temple. There was no other source of light. This was the only light. It had seven uh, lamps on it. And when you lit this right here, it lit up, in other words, we need the light of God in our lives before we can go any further in Him. Jesus talked about how He was the light of the world. He talked about now how the light shone into the darkness of our lives and now we are able to serve God, we are able to know God. Paul even talks about how he prays for the enlightening of his spiritual thinking. So in other words, watch this. You cannot worship a God you don't know. If I walk into this room and there's no light on whatsoever, I do not know what is in here. I don't know what to do. Many people, watch this, many people are trying to get into a place of worship. They're trying to get into a place of presence with God and they don't know God. They don't know Him. So watch this. How can I worship a God I don't know? How can I praise a God that I have never came into fellowship with? The answer is I can't. 
So before, watch this, before I can tell anybody to come into the presence of God, before I can, I, before I can teach you about worship and, and all these other things, I've got to tell you first, you've got to know who God is. Amen. You've got to know who God is. Not just what you learn in Sunday school. There are a lot of people that knows about God. They know about the things of God. But the question you've got to ask yourself is, do I know God? Because you see, it's like the woman at the well. How many remembers that story? The woman at the well. She had living water in her access and she didn't know. She had that living water. He said, if you knew the gift of God and what I had, you would be asking of me to drink. But watch this. You can't ask if you don't know. So, we, see the, so the menorah is a symbol of enlightenment. It's, showing, it's enabling us to go further into the presence of God. Why? Because it's showing forth what we need to do. The Bible says the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The menorah. So watch this. Before I could ever know God, I need to get into the word of God. As I said before, your word study amplifies your prayer life. How are we going to go into the presence of God when we don't know God? And the Word of God enables us to know Him. Oh, well, I just got off to myself and I started spending time with God. No, 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 let me tell you something. You better have the Word backing up. Because the Bible says even Satan can form as an angel of light. Just because you had a visitation or this and that, you better make sure you can back this stuff up with the Word of God. Somebody say amen. So we need the Word. The menorah is a symbol of the Word. It is lighting our path. It is showing us the way. So watch this. 1 John 1, 5-7. Then this is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him no darkness is at all. Go to verse 6. And if we say that we have fellowship with Him, we walk in darkness, and walk in darkness, we lie. We do, not, we, we do not have the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have what? There we go. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So watch this. They had to light the lamp, trim the lamp, and keep it lit every morning. Before they could do that, guess what? They had to offer up a sacrifice. So it talks about the light. But then you see right here, to get to that light, what do we need? The cleansing of the blood. Right. All right. So watch this right here. Now the next part is the bread of presence. Go to the show bread, Dave. The bread of presence was set on a table, 12 cakes of bread representing the 12 tribes of Israel. So we see this right here. What was this to symbolize? This was the priest's food. It was replaced every Sabbath day and eaten by the priests only in the holy place. Did not God say we sit with Him in heavenly places what did Jesus do now watch this I want you to see something here what did Jesus do 
with his disciples that was so important, and we still celebrate this today, communion. What did they do that day? They ate bread together. What was that a symbol of? Somebody say, fellowship. What did that scripture say earlier? It says the light is needed for fellowship. And other, listen to me, I can't be your friend if I don't know you. If I don't know who you are, what you're about, what you like, what you don't like, how can I be your friend? I cannot be your friend. The only way I could be your friend is to do what? To be enlightened of who you are. Amen? To spend time with you, to know you, to, to fellowship with you. That's how I become your friend. And the bread right there was a symbol how you and I need to come to a place. All right, watch this. We've been sanctified. We've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. We offer up praise and, and, and thankfulness unto God. We come in. What, what happens? God brings light into our life. We're enlightened, amen? How many knows when you got saved, you looked differently at things? You were enlightened. Now, guess what? God wants you to come to a place of fellowship. The bread of presence. That's what it was called. The bread, say it with me. The bread of presence. There is fellowship only in His presence. Everybody watch this. We, we, we throw this around today as if it's nothing. Everybody sings and talks about how they are a friend of God. I'm going to drop a bombshell on you. Everybody that says I'm a friend of God is not a friend of God. You have to come to a special place. A place where you've died to yourself. A place of obedience and faithfulness unto God. A place where you've cleansed your life with the word and you've done all the things that God has asked you to do. Then you come to a place, what? Of fellowship with God. I, ladies and gentlemen, I am a friend of God. How do you know that? Because he's told me. So therefore, watch this. God talks to me and he fellowships with me, not as a stranger, but as a friend. How many of you knows you talk differently with friends than you do with acquaintances? Amen. So God talks to me different than He does with other people. Why? Because I've allowed Him to take me to that place. Notice what I said. I've allowed Him to take me to that place. God will only, listen to me, God will only go as far as you let Him go. Do you want God to stop at the outer court? To stop you at the outer court? He'll stop you there. You want Him to stop you at the inner court? He'll stop you there. You want to stop at sacrificing and water baptism and, and I'm saved now? He'll stop you there. But for some of you, guess what? Especially in the Pentecostal, you know that there's more. You know that there's more. But can I tell you this? There's more than just being baptized with the Holy Ghost. There's more. There's fellowship. There's communion with God. And so, see, I, what I want to tell you today is don't put limits on God. Don't say, oh, but, but because I'm not a preacher, because I'm not this and that, then I can't have fellowship with God. That's crazy. Because the Bible says He's made all of us priests. Woo! What did I say earlier? Only person that could go in the holy place was priest. So you, it's all about how you perceive yourself, and it's all about how you perceive God. If you think, if you perceive that you can't have fellowship with God, you'll never have fellowship with God. 
So watch this. He put that there for a reason. Why? He wants to have fellowship with you. Fellowship. Not just, Almighty God, I serve you and I pray. No, no, no. He, hey, God, how you doing? That fellowship. He wants that with you. Why? Because He is not just your God. He is your what? Father. What father doesn't want to have a friendship with their children? Somebody say amen. Same thing with God. Go to 1 Corinthians 1.9. Watch it. It says, God is faithful by whom you were called unto what? Fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Go to the next one, Dave. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. That word communion there in the Greek literally means fellowship, friendship, bonding. Amen. God wants to, can I tell you this, and some people might think I'm crazy, but I don't care. God wants to be involved in everything you are doing. Whether you're out fishing or lifting weights or, or preaching or whatever, God wants to be involved in everything that you do. You might think, oh, no, he don't. Yes, he does. Because that's friendship. Do you see that? That's, that's friendship. And God wants that. And the only place you can have that is when you, when you have became a holy place for God. Do you see that? The Bible says, what friendship have we of the world and of God. You can't. I get a little weary. Watch this. I get a little weary when I see some people, the world just loves them. I mean, the world loves them and they're preaching, quote unquote, the gospel. Jesus said, if they hate me, they're going to hate you too. Why? Because you have no, nothing in common with them. You have no fellowship. So watch. So we see here, look at the pattern here. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the sacrifice. Okay? The love of God, the menorah, the enlightening. We, we're enlightened to the love of God, what He did for us. Amen? Then that brings us to a place of what? The communion of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say the presence of God. The Holy Ghost. Mm. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, or 1 and 2. Watch this right here. It says, but be you therefore followers of God as dear children. Verse 2. And walk in love as Christ also have loved us and have given himself for us and what? An offering and a what? Sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. What's that deal with? Go to the altar of incense. This was the next piece of furniture. So, you, so picture this. You walk into the temple. You got the menorah over here. You got the bread of presence over here. And right here before you go into the holiest of holies, you've got the, uh, the altar of incense, a four-horned altar. What is the altar of incense? It was placed in front of the veil of the holiest of holies. Once the lamp of the menorah was trimmed, the priest had to go directly to the altar of incense 
to offer up what? An act of worship in the morning and evening. And God would always meet whoever done it. Write this down. Before we can ever have fellowship with God, we must offer up prayers and worship to God. So watch this. He goes in, trims the lamp. It's lit up. Goes immediately to the altar of incense. What was that for? The altar of incense was to offer up as prayer unto God. The priest would go in morning and evening, would go in and offer up prayers and supplications unto God. How many knows, watch this, you can't, you can't go directly into worship without prayer. In other words, listen, you can't have a worship life without prayer life. You can't do it. But here's the point. A lot of people's got a prayer life. The point is, though, that they stop at the prayer life. Oh, brother, you have fellowship with God? Oh, yeah, I pray. No. Fellowship's what comes after the prayer. Do you have fellowship with God? Oh, I pray all the time. There's more. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, there's more. I don't want you to stop at prayer. We do a good job at praying. Especially if you're somebody who, who's gifted with mercy and grace, you'll pray for everybody. You'll pray for the wall. I mean, you, you just pray for anything and everything about everything. But most people stop there. I've told you this before. You've heard me say, how many times have I told you? Don't, there's times you need to set aside for God where you don't pray. You just say, hey, God, I thank you. I'm just here to worship you. I'm just here to... And David talks about this. He talks about offering up a, 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 as a sacrifice or an incense of prayer unto him. As a sweet smile. See, God, listen, it is sweet unto God when you come to him instead of going to everything else. It is sweet unto God when you come to him and worship him. Come on. When we worship him and seek his face instead of doing something else and just say, well, God, I need this, this, and this. I'll see you later. When we offer up that incense unto God, that prayer unto God, that's when, guess what? That's when we begin to go into a place of fellowship with God. But guess what? There's more than that. Somebody say there's more. The holiest of holies. What is the holiest of holies? Pull the picture up there, Dave. Here we go. Is this an exact picture? No. The holiest of holy. You had two cherubims. Their wingspans would touch from each wall and touch the other one's wings over the Ark of the Covenant. There was no light in the holiest of holies. For the simple fact, when you've got the Shekinah glory in there, you don't need another light. Amen. How many knows when you get to heaven... There'll be no need for the sun. Woo, come on. Why? Because God is light. In Him there is no darkness. 
There is no casting of shadow. So the holiest of holies, where the presence of God resides. It was, it was where they had a cloud by day and a fire by night. A place so holy that anyone entering unauthorized was killed immediately. Now watch this. There was no need, as I said before, there was no need for natural light because of the Shekinah glory. And there was smoke that filled the place. How many has ever been in a worship service or a service so strong that it seemed like there was smoke in the place? I ain't talking about a fog machine. I'm talking about smoke. What would happen was, watch this, when the high priest would go in there, see, once a year on the Day of Atonement, he had to take blood and anoint everything in the temple with blood to purify it and to cleanse it. And on, the holy, and on that day, he would enter into the holiest of holies and anoint the ark and purify. Now watch this. You see the smoke coming up? Do you know why that smoke was there? That smoke was to blind the priest where he couldn't hardly see. Why? Because you can't look upon God and live. Whew. So we see this here. He would enter in. Now, now listen. I've heard, a lot of, I've heard a lot of stories. I can't say this 100% fact, but I've heard a lot of stories of they would tie a rope to them. And if the bell, and they would have like some kind of bell or something like that, and if it would stop ringing, they knew he had died, and they pulled him back out of the holy place, the most holy place. This is a place, watch this. Why do you need this place in your life? This is a place where you check yourself. You've heard me say this before. Listen to me. You have churches that have the presence of God and you have churches that have the power of God. Amen. You've got, listen, you've got churches, they'll shout the roof down, all this other stuff. I mean, you're seeing things left and right, but are people being changed? People being changed. And for the most time, watch this, no. Why? Because the power of God does not change you. If that were so, every, every Pharisee and every Sadducee would have got saved like that. Would have said, Jesus, you're the way. We give our lives to you. They would have done that. Because they've seen the miracles. They've seen the signs. And, the, and yet, they still hardened their heart. What changes us? Those of you in here this morning that says, hey, I truly want to change. And I don't mean I'm just saying I want to change. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to change. Get into the presence of God. Because it is the presence of God that changes you. You want to know why? Because you see the raw holiness of God. When Isaiah was in heaven and he seen the glory of God, the presence of God, you know what he said? He said, woe is me for I am unclean. And they took the coal and did what? They purified his lips. See, that's why, watch this, why does darkness run away from light? Why? Because we see, yeah, the darkness cannot stand it. Why? Because it reveals the uncleanness. It reveals the dirtiness of it. And when you get the presence of God in a church, that's why I'm so, 
when, I, when, when God began to take me to his place of seeing the importance of the presence of God and I started bringing it into the church house, it's been a few years back, when I started bringing it into the church house, what I was experiencing at home, I began to see a huge change. I mean, people, I mean, lives are being, I mean, people, you didn't even have to call them up here. They were just crying and weeping. Why? Because they had seen and felt the holiness of God. They were in his presence. And let me tell you something. If the presence of God hits a place, one, a person is going to have to do one or two things, either get right or get out. I'm telling you. Not because you're beating religion down somebody's throat or anything like that. It's because it's the presence of God. When even now, watch this, when I get into the presence of God, and how do you know when you get in the presence of God? When He becomes more real than anything around you. When He becomes more real than what you're going through and anything like that, and you just, I mean, there's so many times I just fall to the floor and I'm just weeping and, and, and the glory of God is so heavy on me. And you know what it makes me do? It makes me say things like this, God, make me clean. I'm telling make me clean, purify me, make me right. And I guarantee you, the whole time that priest was in there, he was thinking like this, oh, make me holy. <laughs> make me holy. Make me right. I hope there ain't nothing in my life. You see, it's not because, it's just that reverence. Because you see, God puts something in you that screams out, I want to be like him. Do you see that? See, in the presence of God, it reveals the heart of God. So what was in the presence of God? The mercy seat. This was where God upheld his covenant with his people. The contract, you see that in the covenant box was the, the laws of Moses. The manna, Aaron's budded staff. You see all these things and they all picture unto you that even in God's glory and His holiness and His righteousness and His almightiness that He is a God that wants you. He's a God that wants you and I to come into His presence. He's a God, watch this, that is willing to do whatever it takes for His people to come to a place where they can know who He is. You, you remember what He said in Jeremiah? He said, the day will come where you won't have to teach people who I am. The day will come where the, the tablets are the laws and the statutes won't be written upon stone but they will be written upon their hearts and they will serve me and they will know me. And we see all the way from the gate all the way through the courts through the sacrificing the, the, through the cleansing through the lighting of the menorah, the bread of presence, the incense, we see through all that that God was doing whatever it took to get us to a place where you and I could be in the same presence, to be in that presence of God. Ladies and gentlemen, so you're asking me, what's being a Christian all about? It's about knowing God. It's not about making sure you come to church and making sure you do this and making sure you do that. No, those are all attributes. 
the main reason why the, Jesus said in the last prayer that he prayed before he went to the cross, he said, this is eternal life, that they may know you. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for whom? For us. That we may be together. And so now we see, watch this. So now we see that how we are a complete mold of the temple that God had constructed all those years ago. Why? Because the simple verse that he said in Exodus, he said, make me a sanctuary so that I can be among my people. So now we see, watch this, we see that in the New Testament or the new covenant that God had, that you and I are now the temple of God. And so we see that through this, that God wanted a place where He could be with His people. And now here's the great thing. Watch this. Here's the great thing. God is with us at all times. And see, that's where we... Watch this. Before I end this message, this is what we got to understand. Just because you have God with you at all times doesn't mean you have God manifested with you. The presence of God is the manifestation of God. How many knows that God is everywhere? But He doesn't manifest everywhere. When they went to that room, and when they seen that cloud coming up out of the, out of the top, and they could see it from outside, they knew that the presence of God was there. And watch this, watch this. When Solomon had finished his temple... That he made for God. I want you to watch this. When he finished the temple and he dedicated it unto God. And the priests went in and did their first uh, duties of office. The Bible says that the glory of God, the presence of God filled the place so strongly that the priests had to exit out. And they could not continue their works. Because the presence of God was so strong in that place. Ladies and gentlemen... Can we move that into now? You say, what do you mean? The presence of God, and I'm talking to myself too, the presence of God should be so strong in us that our works cannot continue. No more. I want this, I want that. What would you have me to do, Lord? Where you're in total submission unto God. Man, do you see that? When the presence, see, it's the presence of God that changed me. Where God reveals his heart. The mercy seat was where God revealed his heart. My heart is, I want to know you. See, when you know who God is, you know what it causes you to do? And I don't mean, I don't talk about from the outer court. I'm talking about from the holy of holies. Do you, when you know God from there, do you know what it causes you to do? It causes you to want to live right. I mean, it, it drives you. If you fall down, your first mode, get back up and go. I'm I mean, because it drives you. I want to be like him. Why? Because you see how wonderful he is. You see how mighty. See, ladies and gentlemen, how I'm, why am I so passionate about God? Because I've seen his heart. I would not be this passionate if I just took a man's word for it.
Are you hearing me? Why am I saying that? I'm saying that to say this to you. I cannot describe to you good enough how great His presence is. I can't do it. I cannot, listen, I cannot tell you how great it is. I can't put what the words I have will not do it justice. I'm telling you, you're going to have to find out for yourself. You're going to have to find out. You can't take my word for it. You need, listen, the same way that I've explained the Old Testament temple, you need to become that temple. That you need to make it your motive. I want to be in the presence of God in my life. I want the presence of God in my life, and I want the fellowship with God in my life. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Somebody come on up and play. Know you not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God does what? Dwells in you. Last scripture. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are what? You are not your own. Somebody say, I'm not my own. Do you want to know how you really get into a place of worship when you realize you're not your own? Because watch this, watch this. If you've still got that mindset that I am my own, you're never going to go into that place of worship. Because you know what? When you worship something, you're bowing down to that. How many would bow down to a person? Look at all of you. Ain't no way. I wouldn't bow down to her. Why? Because you don't feel like you belong to them. See what I'm saying? Some people got this attitude, well, if I want to go to church, I'll choose to go to church. If I want to read, I'll choose to read. If I, if I, want, to, if I want to pray, I'll choose to pray. Because you still got that mindset, I'm my own. I just chose to serve God. No, 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 no. He chose you. I'll decide what I'm going to do in 10 years. You'll never enter into a place of worship. Why do we worship? I'll tell you why. Because He owns us. But you see, watch this. He's a good ruler. He doesn't have this whip. Come on! No. He's a good ruler. When you enter into these doors, does He want you to come in with praise and thanksgiving? Does he want you to put your hands together and clap and praise and worship God and shout and all this other stuff? Yeah. Will he make you? No. See, even though, watch this. Mm, I'll say it like this. How many makes their kids obey him? You better. You better. Now watch this. Watch. 
You make your kids obey you. But isn't it awesome when you don't have to make them do something? Right? Isn't it awesome? God does not make anybody do anything. Why? Because that's not love. It's not love. But God does have a principle. You're gonna, if you want to go to that place of worship in His presence, you're going to meet Him on His turf. I hear people say, it's all, well, I'm just not that kind of praiser. I'm just not that kind of worshiper. That's what I got to say to you. You see in every, in the scripture, you see how the types of praises are. I've, I've taught you that before, the types of praises. Not one of them is this. Not one. As this series goes on, I'm going to teach you the different types of worship. I'm going to teach you all these different things. But today, I wanted to lay the foundation to make you realize, listen, before you can go any further in this series, you've got to realize that who you are. You've got to realize that who God is in you. And you've got to realize that you are now the temple of God. And what a high honor that is. To the Jewish people, do you know their temple is everything? Do you know that? Their temple is everything. So when the temple was burnt, I believe it was 70 A.D., right, Ryan? 70 A.D.? Pretty close. When it was destroyed, and Josephus wrote about it, I mean, it was just like a nail in the coffin. You know, it was it. And now, guess what? You are now the temple. But I'm going to tell you this in close. I'm going to tell you this. You will never appreciate the presence of God until you've tasted it for yourself. You will never appreciate it. I could, I could do 20,000 messages about the presence of God and it'll never hit home until you experience it for yourself. Before I close, I want, many of you might be asking, well, how can I do that? Today. How many's got time today? Raise your hand. You all got time today. You got time. You got time today. I challenge you. And everybody watching, I challenge you. Go off to yourself. First of all, say, God, forgive me of all my sins. Wash me clean. Purify me. And you tell God, you say, God, I want you to help me. I want to know you. I want to know you. I mean, I want to know you like I know better than I know myself. I want to know. And I want you to become real in my life. More real than I ever thought you were. And you'll see that God will meet you. You want to know why? Because just as I said, at the altar of incense, he said he would meet them. When you get to that place, when you're offering up supplications and prayers unto God, God, I want this, God will meet you. Give the Lord some praise in here today.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Prophetic Faith, the podcast edition. For partnering information or for prayer requests, you can go to our website at www.accelerantfaith.org or you may email us at accelerantfaith at yahoo.com. And just remember, one word from God can change anything.